Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and this is the midweek edition of Comfort's Corner, where we bring you the inside story and what's happening in and around the transit industry as we respond to the COVID-19 crisis. Thanks for being with us today. Once again today, we bring you the headline news of what's happening across the industry and some of the responses and communication efforts that are being made to put out what are best practices as we work on recovery from the COVID-19 crisis. We also have a newsmaker interview with Gary Thomas, the CEO of the largest light rail system in North America uh, in Dallas, Texas, DART. We're excited to have him. We talked to him from his home office in Dallas. We also have a, a Mike's Minute program today again where Mike talks about bringing kindness to what we're doing, a great in, inside um, look at how we should respond to some of the folks who are our new heroes in this industry. And then we take a look at our book, The Future of Public Transportation. And again, the book was the number one bestseller in March on Amazon and still is selling well every day. Folks across the world are getting copies of it and because it really is kind of future-proof and talking about what's coming next. I encourage you to get your copy on Amazon or Barnes & Noble as well as it includes the input of 40 top futurists and leaders, some of whom have been featured right here on Transit Unplugged. And now look at what's happening and what has been happening around the industry. One of the big pieces of news to come out of this last week was uh, the unfortunate passing of one of the leaders of New Jersey Transit's rail system. And we've seen a number of folks, uh, pieces of news coming out in the industry about people, drivers and frontline troops, but also senior executives of transit systems uh, being infected with the COVID-19 virus or actually passing away with complications from it. And our thoughts and prayers go out to those at New Jersey Transit uh, for the, uh, the loss of one of their great leaders. Uh, along the lines of recovery, the American Public Transit Association has um, started a new committee, uh, which will work on, focus on recovery from the industry and it's being chaired by the CEO of Los Angeles Metro, Phil Washington. Phil is a great leader of our industry, as you know, and he also will be my guest on the regular Transit Unplugged episode podcast at the end of this month on April 30th. We had a full half hour interview with him the other night and I encourage you to take a listen to that. Uh, and, and there's co-chairs of that group as well from CODA and from Washington DC. And we wish them well as they work on best practices for the industry. We've also been talking to folks about best practices. Just yesterday, I was able to uh, do a nationwide webinar uh, an executive roundtable preparing for beyond COVID-19. And on that show, I talked to Lauren Skyver, the CEO of uh, Sunline Transit in Southern California, Peter Stark, the general manager of Wacom Transportation Authority in the Northwest corner of the United States and in, in Washington state, Elia Carey, who is a messaging leader out of Silicon Valley who helps tech firms take their message wide. And I asked her to join us and I've been talking to her about some unique perspectives from someone that doesn't work directly in the transit industry, but has, I think, got some um, great tools for us to use as we promote a clean, safe transit with new heroes as we recover from this uh, lower ridership that we're having right now. And then Sam Sargent, uh, the bright young deputy chief of staff for Cap Metro in Austin, Texas, joined us. If you missed that 90-minute look, uh, you can tune into it on Monday on this Comforts Corner podcast. It'll be our episode then. I've also got one more executive roundtable I'm hosting for Trapeze, and you can register for this at trapezegroup.com. Coming up next Tuesday, April 28th from 2 to 4 p.m., a longer two-hour version that'll feature James McDonald, who's director of Saskatoon Transit, also Steve Sawyer, 
who is the general manager of Trapeze Group, Roger Helmy, Alex Nee, Jeff Moore, Teresa Domingo, and Travis Nepper, all senior executives of Trapeze. And this is going to be time to take a step back and think about the lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic. Great time to evaluate your response and, and your use of technology. A lot of folks have been talking about how they've been able to use their existing technology stack uh, to, to help make transit more accessible to people, how they've learned to maybe upload all the fixed route bus stops like one agency did in Canada into their paratransit software because they weren't able to board people in wheelchairs that needed that mobility device of a wheelchair on the regular fixed route bus anymore because only the front door had a wheelchair lift. So they were boarding from the back and so they couldn't get on the fixed route bus. And so instead, those fixed route bus stops now became paratransit stops in their software system. And so those are the kind of uh, technology agile tools that folks have used. They've also maybe added in new locations for Meals on Wheels as paratransit systems have had a 50% reduction in ridership in a lot of places. And so the drivers are now, you know, becoming use, use, uh, using their vehicles to do things like deliver Meals on Wheels or in one place in uh, that uh, the CEO of uh, the the San Antonio transit system told us, Jeff Arndt, that he's using his paratransit vehicles and the Wi-Fi that's on them and taking them out and stationing them at apartment complexes that don't have good Wi-Fi so the children there can, from their own apartments, with the signal emanating from the vehicle, be able to log into the Wi-Fi and do their schoolwork. Lots of interesting and innovative approaches of using technology. We'll be talking about all those kind of things and uh, how to make sure that you're using your technology to the fullest ability. I was on a webinar for the TripSpark group uh, earlier this week for uh, a lot of their customers across North America. And I, I used the analogy of how, you know, our brain, they say our brain only uses about 20% of its capacity. And unfortunately, that's the case in many transit agencies is they have very powerful software tools in place, but the training, you know, hasn't stayed up to speed. And so folks maybe only use a portion of the functionality and features on the software. And so they're digging deeper now and finding out how that software can help them come out. I was also honored to speak at a chief financial officer roundtable this last week uh, and talk to all the CFOs across North America for transit systems about how they're spending this $25 billion that came out of the Federal Transit Administration from the U.S. Uh, stimulus package. $23 billion of that has been utilizing for urban transit systems, $2 billion for rural systems through FTA's regular formula funding programs. And we talked about the usage of it. FTA has put out a frequently asked questions FAQ section on their website with great insight. And I want to thank Marco D'Angelo, the executive director and CEO of CUDA, the Canadian Urban Transit Association, for having me on as a, um, as a solo guest for a nationwide webinar this week for CUDA, the Canadian Urban Transit Association, where I talked about what's happening across Canada in transit. And I'm excited about doing the same thing in Australia, where the UITP group there and I are talking about me possibly doing a nationwide webinar in Australia coming up in uh, next month in May. We've also got an article coming up in the May edition of the Metro Magazine about five long-term implications of the on the public transit industry. So a lot of uh, opportunities to speak and talk about what's happening and what can happen to help us get out of this uh, coronavirus lower ridership. Folks are talking about a road to recovery, and I want to pass on three ideas that uh, that I've heard lately that I think make sense. 
One of them is uh, to maintain our high cleaning protocols of buses, trains, and stations, uh, and to let people know and market that to the public and let them know that, you know, once the governors and the states and the provinces start allowing people to get back to work at regular jobs like they are starting to now in some states like South Carolina and other states, um, and businesses are starting to open back up now, we want to encourage people to get back on the bus and the train, but we want to make sure it's clean and we want to make sure it's comfortable for folks. So we need to make sure that we maintain these high cleaning protocols of using medical grade cleansers and wiping down the high touch surfaces on a regular basis. One folk, one person has even uh, suggested that maybe we put the time that the vehicle was cleaned up on electronic signs on the vehicle or stations to let people know that we're doing this on a more regular basis. Another opportunity that folks, that folks are talking about uh, taking advantage of is making transit experience as touchless as possible. So I've written about um, the fact that one of the long-term implications of the coronavirus might be the death of the fare box. And don't know uh, how many folks are going that way, but I've heard from many that they want to move away from cash now. And so using contactless fare cards, e-faring, touch-and-go touch credit cards are a way to make the transit experience as touchless as possible. Some folks are talking about even maintaining free service or not uh, requiring fares for a while longer as a way to thank folks for allowing transit to be for essential workers and now thanking them for coming back on as we open services back up and expand services. And then finally, improve marketing messages. Our new heroes, our new celebrities are our bus drivers uh, and the frontline troops who have been out there cleaning. Why not use them uh, if they're interested in helping us message to folks as uh, that transit is safe, transit is clean, transit is good for the environment, and transit is an essential service. And uh, so getting that message out to folks as we begin the recovery process over the next few weeks as, you know, we're not completely over the hump, I don't think, clearly by any stretch of the imagination, but there are talks now about uh, beginning to open up some parts of the economy again. And as that happens and folks are able to ride public transit again, these are some messaging ideas that I've heard that I think make sense as we head into this new post-COVID world. There'll be a lot more we'll be talking about. Make sure you stay tuned to my LinkedIn page. Uh, just find me on Paul Comfort where I'm putting up interesting ideas. Like today I posted um, uh, an, art, an article about um, a seating manufacturer for airlines and how they're talking about maybe turning around the middle seat and putting up plexiglass beside them as an opportunity for seating configurations that may have some implications for buses and trains here in the public transit industry. Thanks for being with us as we looked at headline news today and what I've been doing. Now we're going to take a minute to listen to Mike's Minute and then head into Gary Thomas, the CEO of DART. And then finally, we'll take a, a listen to the future of public transportation, the Amazon bestseller. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'm Paul Comfort. Stay safe out there. I'm Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director at Proterra, and this is Mike's Minute where we talk about the importance of kindness, mentorship, and leadership with the hope that it will inspire you and others to pay it forward. It's been another week of transit in the world, continuing to adapt to the ongoing COVID crisis. However, if I may, we need to look at the positives now more than ever and realize the silver lining that may exist. As we start to see the stories on how transit will have to reinvent itself, I also believe we have been given an opportunity to have our own personal views changed by the realization of the extraordinary people we work alongside currently. With stress and anxiety running at an all-time high and many unknowns, transit organizations, agencies, contractors, and suppliers have all had employees that have risen to the top. Employees that have shown impeccable leadership, empathy, 
made tough decisions and personal sacrifices for the good of transit. I've had several amazing mentors and leaders over the years that I've been fortunate enough to gain tidbits and direction from, and many of those folks did not know they were mentoring anyone at the time. Their actions simply were worth noting and one day emulating. Each of us is blessed with these individuals in our workplaces that always step up and inspire us to do the right thing. Take time this week to note the stars in your organization. Thank them, and perhaps the best compliment of all, be inspired by their actions to pay it forward wherever possible. Remember, kindness is cool, and kindness is contagious too. Hey, thanks for being with us today on Transit Unplugged, the Comforts Corner edition. I'm excited to have with me Gary Thomas, who's president and executive director at Dallas Area Rapid Transit, one of the nation's biggest transit systems and the largest light rail system in America. Gary, thanks so much for being with us today on the episode. Paul, it's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So you're uh, coming to me from your home office in Dallas? <laughs> yeah, something like that. You can see my, uh, my version of mass transit. In the picture behind me, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, horses. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, how you been? What's happening in Dallas, man? You know, it's uh, these are crazy times, as we certainly can all appreciate. But uh, one thing I'll say, Paul, is I'm incredibly proud of the Dart team. They continue to push forward. They continue to to stay focused on uh, the business at hand. Uh, obviously, focused on our customers, making sure that we get folks uh, safely from where they are to where they need to be. And of course, we as an organization are very focused on the safety of our employees, uh, making sure that we do everything possible um, to, to keep them safe, to keep them out of harm's way, and at the same time, provide an essential service to, uh, to those customers who we all know now are those essential workers, uh, whether they're at the grocery store or the pharmacy or wherever there are a lot of healthcare workers are riding our system every day so every day we uh we're running uh, it's about like a lot of agencies around the country we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 68 to 70 percent below normal uh and in our world that's uh you know somewhere in the neighborhood of about 70,000 trips so uh total so um i just i can't say enough about the dark team and what we're doing and are you seeing any differentiation in the usage of bus versus your light rail system? Is more riding you know, bus than uh, light rail? Or yeah, it, it varies. Uh, it varies by day, certainly. But I've seen uh, the bus down. You know, if, if bus is down 70, 71 percent, and uh, rail is uh, down 68, 70 percent or so, and. Uh, so it's, so it's have you pretty close, actually. Now, where we really yeah. see the decline is in the commuter rail. Right. Oh, yeah. What do you got there? What's going on there? The commuter rail is about 85% down, um, in our case, on TRE between Fort Worth and Dallas. Uh, so, it, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's a little bit more. And, 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 you know, as I talk to other agencies around the country, it seems to be more the norm that the uh, uh, commuters – commuter systems or commuter rails are, are down a little bit more than the uh, urban bus and rail systems. And how are you handling that with your service levels? Have you dropped you know, the amount of routes that you're offering? You know, we, we have. We went to a, uh, a modified Saturday service, and um, 
in, in the, the, and then we were probably a little bit later than some agencies in doing that. We, we were a little bit later to do that for a couple of reasons. One is, is that we wanted to make sure that, uh, that I had, um, that I had, uh, well, that we portrayed some level of normalcy as things were rapidly starting to change. And the other was that we provided uh, some social distancing as ridership was falling. So we were trying to make sure that we, uh, um, that we allowed our customers to, to space out on the trains and buses. And so that delay, uh, quite frankly, allowed the, uh, the ridership to fall. And, uh, and then we instituted this, the modified, and when I say modified Saturday service, you know, some of our, sa our routes uh, actually go away on Saturday and we, we know that okay. uh, we need we need a uh, that lifeline, um, but we also uh, uh, we also appreciated that uh, we needed to match service. So as we went to the Saturday service, we we added where we needed to add. We we added additional buses to make sure that we had the appropriate social distancing and. Um, and then we still had a lot of capacity left over. So now we're delivering uh, meals to seniors. Uh, we're using that capacity to help uh, the, the uh, school districts in our region get uh, food to those families and those kids uh, from the different school districts. Uh, so there's a lot, of, a lot of neat things that have come out of this. And I know that's happening across the country, certainly, but, but uh, a lot of good ideas on how we can be uh, uh, still a vital part of our community in addition to providing transportation services. And what have you done with fares? You know, like a lot of agencies around the country, we, um, we have not declared free fares, but we have uh, gone to rear door boarding and we're not asking our operators to, to verify fares. In other words, uh, when we went to rear door boarding, uh, we actually put up a physical barrier in the bus so you can't go forward past a, a, a certain point point. Uh, and, and in our buses we also have doors that the operators uh, can close to close off their space yeah. so we have their spaces closed plus we have that physical barrier to keep people six feet behind them so you know we're, we're not saying free fares but uh we're not giving uh we're not getting too concerned about it but the reality is, is that also allows us, if we have an issue on a train or a bus, it gives us our, our, uh, our police the opportunity to get on and take care of a situation when someone is not respecting uh, the other customers on the train or bus or not respecting the opportunity uh, to be on our vehicles. So uh, that's great. The Congress recently, as you know, adopted our, the big stimulus package that gave 25 billion to transit. How is that impacting uh, DART? Is that going to help you for a while? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it, as, as is the case across the country, it's going to be helpful. Is it going to be enough? Um, probably not, but that's yet to be seen. We don't know where this storm ends, quite frankly, and, uh, and how long it goes. But, uh, but is it helpful? I mean, the $25 billion for transit is the biggest uh, push to transit in, in the history of, of, uh, of transit, I suspect. And yes, uh, it is. so we're incredibly appreciative to Congress, uh, incredibly appreciative to our delegation uh, for that opportunity. 
as you uh, may remember, we actually do a 20 year financial plan. So we actually, we, we look at what we anticipate losing now, next year, the next year, or the next 30 months or so. But, but when you multiply that over the 20 years, now you've established, you've set a lower base. And when you look at that 20 year graph, uh, we actually have to take $1.3 billion out of our 20 year program. And uh, so now over the next couple of years, you know, it's in the, I don't know, 400, $450 million range. But again, when you drop that base down and project it out, uh, it's a substantial difference. So we're already in that process where we're looking at uh, how do we adjust our base? How do we adjust our, our operating revenues? What do we do now moving forward? And, and, I, and I know a lot of agencies around the country are already in that, in that phase, but uh, we know this too shall pass. And once it does, we have to be prepared to come out of it and, uh, and, and conduct business in a good fiscal uh, manner. I was on a uh, I was a guest on a webinar this week with the chief financial officers of many transit systems around the country and your former CFO David Leininger was on that call and that's what they were talking about is you know how are we going to use these what is the FTA's uh, you know mechanisms for obligation of the funds do you have any idea how you're going to spend the money is it just going to be to kind of make up for the lost revenues and pay for the extra cleaning costs or do you have any new projects you're going to do to kind of try to future proof your agency or anything or you know, um, we've got the, a couple of large capital projects going on now, and those continue to move forward. Most of our money, I suspect, will really go toward uh, the loss of uh, revenue and the additional loss of uh, sales tax, loss of uh, fare box, and the additional costs associated with dealing with uh, uh, the pandemic. Um, that said, we would obviously be uh, very excited about a fourth bill that uh, allowed for some uh, stimulus money that went toward uh, capital projects, uh, shovel-ready projects for some of us that remember 2010, 11, 12 timeframe. We, we remember that there was a moment in time there where uh, shovel-ready projects uh, uh, got a little bit of a bump, a little bit of yeah. a boost. So, you know, we might be ready for a couple of shovel-ready pro projects here in a in a month or two. That would be great. I mean, it, they've been talking about, you know, a stimulus package for three and a half years. And I think now that um, they're used to spending big dollars, maybe they'll come up with it finally. And uh, it's something that I think could not only revolutionize a lot of the capital projects that our transit systems are working on, but could also be a real boost to the economy, getting jobs, getting people back, working jobs, et cetera, after this, this gut punch. Hey, how is, um, how is paratransit going in the Dallas area? You know, paratransit uh, on a normal weekday, we'll typically have 3,000 paratransit customers, and now we have 1,000. So uh, we've dropped by two thirds, and you know that that 1,000, and that's pretty consistent uh, every day. Okay. Um, and you know that those people are the ones that are going to dialysis, the ones that have medical conditions that they have to be at every single day. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I, of course, as, as we talk all the time, Paul, um, it's, it's one of the, uh, the most vulnerable segments of our community, and it's, uh, it's incredibly gratifying uh, to be able to, to continue to provide that kind of service to the people that, that need it most. And uh, uh, final question is, what do you see going forward now for DART? I mean, um, uh, 
how do you see things, you know, developing and coming out? Do you have any time frame or projection or ideas on what you're going to do to help recover ridership? You know, if I if I had the time frames or projections, I, I'd probably be on uh, yeah. um, the NBC nightly. You had a bigger show than this one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I I think the question is uh, is one that we all are are thinking about, and for not, we really should be. You know, yeah. going into this, we all recognize that our world was changing. The transportation world was changing, and it was in, it was changing at an incredibly fast pace. Um, now it's pivoting a little bit, and I think uh, two things are happening. One is is pivoting a little bit, uh, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But also the pace that we will see that change uh, will accelerate. In other words, we're going to a warp speed kind of approach to how, yeah. how quickly the transportation world changes, um, for a variety of reasons. You know, a lot of us would see a drop in ridership on Fridays because people would start to work from homes on Friday. Uh, well now people know how to work from home, uh, more efficiently than ever. So we might see people working from home multiple days a week. Um, which could impact our ridership. People are going to be a little hesitant to get back on trains and buses or go anywhere, quite frankly, where they're uh, close to other people, you know, within that six-foot zone that we've become so familiar to. So so we know that's going to change. Yes, we're just like everybody else. We're working on that marketing campaign to talk about uh, uh, why people should come back to transit. But it's still going to be slow. It's still going to be an effort to, uh, um, to to continue to move this forward until there's a vaccination or some type of medical solution to either uh, so people don't have COVID-19 or that the impacts of COVID-19 are significantly reduced. Um, now, that said, remember, uh, we've been very focused on mobility as a service. Right. An organization. And I think the speed at which we will focus on mobility as a service or MOTS uh, will certainly accelerate as, uh, as we uh, come out of this over the next 30 months. So I, I see that, uh, that whole process changing from an organizational perspective. Um, coincidentally, truly coincidentally, yesterday, we actually had a, what we called an ambitions lab. Uh, so our consultant, who in this case is Deloitte, uh, actually worked with us when we had an all-day session to really talk about the organizational culture and what it needs to be as we move forward. Now, uh, as I said, it was coincidental. We had scheduled this some time ago. Okay. But the timing, it couldn't be more fortuitous. The timing couldn't be more perfect to have that kind of conversation now as we look at what's ahead of us over the next 30 days, over the next 12 months, over the next five years. Uh, so it's... Uh, I'm, I'm confident that our organization, like many of the organizations around the country, are going to come out of this uh, um, full steam ahead. And, uh, and we know that transportation and transit is going to be vital to the success of our communities. Uh, we just have to figure out how it's going to be a little different moving forward. Very good. Thank you so much, Gary, for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. And we wish you the best as you continue to provide safe, efficient, reliable transit with world-class customer service all over the Dallas area. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks for being with us today on Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. And 
on each episode, we're taking the opportunity to take a verbal reading of the book, The Future of Public Transportation, which included input from 40 transit leaders, futurists, and experts in the industry. The book is basically future-proof, in my opinion, as uh, a lot of the information in it is a retrospective look, a look at what's happening now, and really most of what's in it still has strong implications for the future as is the chapter I'll be reading from today, which is by Brent Koenig, who is Industry Solutions Manager for Enterprise Asset Management at my company, Trapeze Group. And he writes about the smart infrastructure revolution. Now more than ever, in my opinion, this will be more pertinent as folks are learning to use their software in even better ways and the new intelligent way to look at transportation. Let me take a read from his chapter seven, the future of smart infrastructure asset management. And Brett says that rolling supercomputers and state of good repair today uh, is a convergence of the technological trends that's driving the Internet of Things and the technological trends are a real revolution in transit. And four steps that you can use to use the Internet of Things in transit are what I'm going to read from today. Number one, Brett says, your equipment is talking. Are you listening? Uh, you should include telematic requirements in your new equipment specifications so that any new safety critical infrastructure, such as vehicles, facility, wayside that you bring online, has these capabilities from day one. For legacy equipment, engage with your equipment vendors to tap into the telematic condition, monitoring data that may already exist. If none exists, investigate the many third-party telematic options available in the marketplace. Number two, he says, get integrated. Explore building interfaces to send fault codes from high priority systems like propulsion brakes, elevators, SCADA, et cetera, to your enterprise asset management system to alert maintenance and generate work orders. Number three, Brett says, don't be afraid of the data. Over time, the largest gains are realized through a comprehensive Internet of Things approach involving analyzing patterns in the data. This is typically achieved by integrating your critical streams of health monitoring data into a single system, such as commercially available business intelligence or predictive analytics tool. Number four, evolve your maintenance regime. For maintenance, transit maintenance divisions, the Internet of Things is seen as a catalyst to involve the industry from standard fixed time mileage maintenance to the newer condition-based and predictive paradigms. With a deeper understanding of your infrastructure, health patterns, ask yourself, are there ways we can optimize our maintenance program? Real-world examples include switching certain inspections from a fixed interval to condition-based and refining the frequency of selected services, such as increase the interval for component rebuilds. He says a significant reduction in service delays due to equipment failure is within your reach if you listen more closely to what your infrastructure is telling you. Asset health monitoring technologies are something your maintenance division should be investigating now. For many agencies, a fully integrated industrial revolution, the industrial Internet of Things, that system may feel like a lofty goal. So start by focusing first on your most safety critical systems. That is from the book, The Future of Public Transportation by Brett Koenig. If you want to talk to Brett, you can reach him uh, on LinkedIn. That's where I reach him a lot of times. He is uh, B-R-E-T-T, first name Brett, last name 
K-O-E-N-I-G, K-O-E-N-I-G, Brett Koenig, who is Industry Solutions Manager for Enterprise Asset Management, who can maybe help you as you look at taking this downtime with your system when a lot of your vehicles and your maintenance systems are not as busy due to the fact that you're uh, maybe running only 50% of the service, you could use this as an important wise usage of your time to get ready for bringing back up your systems by making sure that you are uh, fully updated and using the internet, the industrial internet of things, and uh, making sure you're using all the new asset management software technologies that are available as you move forward into a post-COVID world. I'm Paul Comfort. Thanks for being with us today on this midweek edition of Transit Unplugged Comfort's Corner. Stay safe out there.